0: the Cannabis Heals Me podcast, episode 29.
1: You're listening to the Cannabis Heals Me podcast, where we explore the real stories of real people who have discovered the profound healing properties of the cannabis plant in their own lives. Find more at CannabisHealsMe.com.
0: Cannabis Heals Me podcast is brought to you by The Grow CFO. For all your cannabis accounting and tax needs, find out more information at www.TheGrowCFO.com. Welcome back, everyone, to The Cannabis Heals Me podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Kennerly, and we are recording once again from the Storybook Inn studios. I don't know about you, but my favorite thing about Monday is the fact that a brand new episode of the Cannabis Heals Me podcast goes live. So we get to share one more healing story with you that you can, in turn, share with someone else in the hopes that, one, it may change their mind about cannabis, or two, it may give them answers to questions that they've been trying to get answered for a long time. It may give them hope where they had no hope before. So stay tuned. I'm, I'm going to introduce our guest in just a minute. I want to thank everyone for sharing the podcast. We are continuing to grow and that is Because of you guys and because you've been willing to share the episodes that you've you've been willing to put yourself out there and open yourself up to criticism from your conservative friends about cannabis. So we really appreciate you guys sharing the show and telling people about it and are truly grateful for that. If you are enjoying the show, send us an email. Podcast at CannabisHealsMe.com. We'd love to get feedback. we love to get constructive criticism. If there are things that you think we could do better, we'd love to hear it. It, There is always room for improvement and certainly room for improvement here considering we've only been doing this thing since the end of October. So lots of areas I'm sure that we can improve. And if you've got ideas for us, we would love to hear them. Send us an email. Podcast at CannabisHealsMe.com. Or you can look us up on Facebook. Facebook.com slash MJ Heals Me. If you have not done so already, give us a review on the podcast catcher that you're using to listen to the show. That helps us give us some juices. And if we get enough likes and comments and reviews, then we can actually get a little boost and people who wouldn't normally see the show promoted on your podcast catcher will be able to see us. So give us a review. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you don't have to go looking for us every Monday and every Thursday when our new episodes come out. They'll just automatically download to your phone. Speaking of subscribing, you need to go out and subscribe to our email newsletter. If you go out to CannabisHealsMe.com, there will be a pop-up asking if you want to subscribe to our newsletter. You just put in your email address and you will officially be on the newsletter that we send out. Our guest today is Jennifer Conforti. Jennifer and her husband have an eight and a half year old daughter who has partial agenesis of the corpus callosum, meaning that part of her brain is missing and that the two hemispheres of her brain don't communicate effectively. Jennifer is an outspoken advocate for medical cannabis in her home state of Georgia. So we invited her on the show to talk to us about her story and her journey with cannabis, and then also a little bit about the advocacy work that she does. Jennifer, welcome to the program. Well, thanks, Rachel. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate the time to share our story. Absolutely. I had put a a message out to a, a Facebook board that I'm on saying I was looking for people to come on and share their story about medical cannabis, and a mutual acquaintance of ours on that board had suggested that I talk to you, and we've been kind of playing phone tag a little and so but you had sent me a video to review of a testimony that you were making before the was it the Georgia House?
1: It was the Georgia House committee that year in 2016 reviewing the the bill.
0: So the the video the testimony was very moving and of course you know I wanted to talk to you before I saw the video but the video was very moving so if you could just tell us a little bit about your daughter's condition and kind of how y'all got started down the road of of medical cannabis to help her.
1: Sure. Well, I, uh, so I have a daughter, her name is Abby. She is now eight and a half years old. Uh, When she was 15 months old, she was diagnosed with a congenital brain defect called partial agenesis of the corpus callosum. And basically she's missing part of her brain. And um, that does not allow for her brain to communicate with itself. So she has a difficult time Um, communicating as well. I mean, she's completely nonverbal still at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, But about a year after we got that diagnosis, we got the diagnosis of severe autism. And about a year after that, she started really uh, showing severe behaviors, self injury. She, she used to bite her arm, um, bloody bruised and bloody uh, every single day. There were, Uh, days where we would spend hours, when I say we, I mean my husband and I, would spend hours tag-teaming each each other to hold her and restrain her so she couldn't hurt herself or hurt anybody else. Mm -hmm. I mean, we just went through about nine months of pure hell trying to figure out why she was doing this, what could we do to help her. Um, We took her to specialist after specialist. after. I mean, I was so desperate. I even hired a Reiki master to Reiki or however you pronounce that to Mm -hmm. come in and try and, you know, (laughs) perform an energy release on her head. You know, it just was, it was, it was insane. That was, that was the worst nine months of my life. And um, so, you know, after trying and, and um, stumping every specialist we could think of in the Atlanta area, um, I had been searching ad Mm nauseum, trying to find and and researching on the computer, trying to find any kind of remedy for this self injurious, self injurious behavior. And, um, you know, really everything we tried, uh, I would say there was probably 30 different pharmaceuticals and supplements that we tried over that nine months. Um, Pharmaceuticals, including things like Haldol and Risperdone and Abilify and um,
0: Zoloft and those are usually usually prescribed for adults, right? Those are only really supplied
1: uh, uh, prescribed for adults, and certainly not a three and a half year old, which she was at the time. So the the doctors really didn't know how to prescribe these things for her because they, I mean, they had to guess based on her, you know, age and weight and all that. And they were they were not, you know, excited about prescribing those things for her. But they didn't know what else to do. They they don't know about medical cannabis, and I certainly didn't know about it at the time. Um, but as I continued to to type into my Google search, you know, natural methods for self-injurious behaviors or natural uh, whatever, you know, prescriptions or, or whatever, mm-hmm. um, I came across a blog um, and it was a woman in California who had an adult son with severe autism and severe behaviors and she had tried this medical cannabis and I'm like, well, Honestly, I didn't even know what cannabis, I knew cannabis was, I I thought it was another term for marijuana, but I just, you know, I, at the time I was not even thinking along those lines. Um, And I had heard bits and pieces about medical marijuana for seizures and, and all of that at that point, but certainly not for curing or helping self-injury with, with autistic kids. So Um, I read this blog and she was giving this to her son and it was helping him. And I'm like, okay, how do I, first of all, what is it? Second of all, how do I get my hands on it? And then thirdly, how do I dose her? What do you, you know, I don't, I don't know anything about this. So I asked her pediatrician, her pediatrician really didn't know anything about it, Um, had heard some things, but not about use for autism. I asked her uh, neurologist, he didn't know anything about it. Um a little bit in piece bits and pieces about seizure disorders, but certainly not autism or or corpus callosum um issues so um so I set about the course of calling people that I knew to try and find answers, and I knew of a woman in Oregon who had been at the fight of the vaxed issue, which is i don't know if you're familiar with that, but the anti vaccine campaign about mm-hmm. seizures and autism which is just one boat I've never chosen to get on because I've been too busy on the cannabis boat.
0: So, <laughs> You're already um, lumped in with one set of crazies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> now now oh, I'm not funny. saying, I'm you not saying, get phone calls. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm not saying because I have a friend, I'm not saying that the anti-vaxxers are crazy. That's, that's not my, but that's what the perception is.
1: Well, the perception is that, and it's unfortunate because they may have a point. I just, I know for sure, in my opinion, uh, from what I've seen from my own daughter, I know she's she had the full regimen of vaccines, but I know where her disability comes from. It's right there in plain black and white at an MRI. So I know what's going on with her. But anyhow, that aside. So I called her and she said, you need to talk to this woman in Texas. And I called her and she said, you need to talk to this guy in California. So I called him. And the gentleman in California, he's amazing. His name is Jason David. I know he wouldn't mind if I said his name in public. Um, he was at the forefront of fighting for medical cannabis for seizure disorder in California years ago and um, is so knowledgeable. So I got a hold of, I, I felt like I was calling like, you know, I don't know, this the king of medical cannabis yeah. when I was talking to him. I was like, oh my gosh, Jason David's calling me back. So I talked to him and this was probably eight months into this whole behavior issue with Abby and her biting and all of that. Um, I I talked to him and he said, okay, here's the deal. You're in a triage situation. You need to get on YouTube and learn how to make a small batch of Rick Simpson oil and go out and I don't care where you get it. Just get an ounce of loud weed. And I'm like, huh? what the heck is loud weed? So anyway, I didn't ask him that because I didn't want to sound stupid. And he said, and learn how to make it and start giving it to her. And here's how much you give her and whatever. And he's like, you need to get her off her drugs because those pharmaceuticals are killing her. I'm like, okay. So thankfully I hadn't been on that new regimen for longer than a week and a half. So it was a really easy wean off for me. And at the time it was like Tegretol and Topamax or something like that. And those were, you know, for all sorts of different things. Cause they were just guessing they were throwing darts at a wall so I got her. I I got that ounce. I called a friend of mine. We all have that one friend that you know you can. You know, <laughs>
0: um, I spent. What did they tell you? Loud weed was. I had to Google it.
1: <laughs> so I googled it and I found out what it is. But and basically, then you, and then you cleared your browsing history.
0: Yeah, it was hysterical.
1: <laughs> and then I. Uh, that's funny. And then um, you know, basically high THC. Really pungent in in odor and smell, you know, lots of the earthy diesel type of uh, terpenes and flavor profiles and everything. So, um, so anyhow, I got myself a bet. I spent four hundred dollars on an ounce. I learned how to make it online. I made it in my kitchen, and it sat there for I don't know two or three weeks because I was so afraid to give it to her. I didn't know, you know, nobody knew about this at the time I didn't know anybody that was doing this for their child. Um, this was definitely breaking the law. What if the school found out their mandated reporters? What if, you know, what if her pediatrician finds out and reports us, um, is defects going to come and take her away? Um, or child protective services, you know, all of those things that just make you scared to death to, to break a law, um, which is insane. And now we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that later, but, um, Anyhow, I ended up after a few weeks, um, Abby, <clears throat> uh, I went to pick her up at school and she was being carried out by three of her teachers, like, a you know, one at her arms, uh, and shoulders, the other one at her waist, the other one at her feet, because they had wow. had to restrain her. They entire four hours of school that, that morning.
0: And she's three and a half at this time?
1: as she had just turned four literally wow. like 5 days before yeah 5 days before so i said that's it i'm that's a straw i'm mm-hmm. never going to i've got to try this i owe this to her to at least try it um and if they're going to come and arrest me for trying a medicine for her well let them come because i can't live like this anymore so i did it and in 4 days she was off her pharmaceuticals and just on medical cannabis and we We really haven't had to restrain her since and that's been four and a half years. So, um, yeah, that is now, I'm not saying that cannabis is a panacea. I'm not saying it has cured her autism or, or regrown her brain or whatever. it might be, I don't know. Um, we haven't had a recent MRI, but, um, but I can say that cannabis has allowed us to function as a family. um, so much better than during that nine months of time when we could not find answers in the medical community um and uh you know she still bites her arm occasionally she still has these meltdowns but what we're discovering is and what we've discovered is she is able to self self soothe and calm herself down and if we ignore those behaviors they actually go away So, um, we couldn't do that before she, it was hours every day of keeping her from hurting herself. One time we thought we'd leave her alone and just let her, you know, come out of it on her own. And that was probably the worst day that we had. Um, every, we, we put her in a safe room, basically. I don't know if you're around kids with autism, but you you need to have safe rooms where you can let them be alone and know that they're safe. So we put her in her safe room and, um, came back an hour later. She was still screaming and biting and pretty much the carpets and the furniture and the bedding in that bedroom were covered with blood. She had oh just gosh. ripped her arm apart. Wow! So we didn't do that anymore after that. Um, and then, um, yeah, it was awful. It was one of the, mo- it was the most excruciating time of my life. So um, yeah, but I, I can say this medical cannabis has allowed us to function as a family, and even get 20 to 40 minutes out of her in a restaurant uh, for dinner occasionally or if if we go out for a bite to eat at lunch, we can take her with every once in a while. Um, Whereas before, it was absolutely impossible.
0: But y'all probably didn't go very much of anywhere during that nine-month period. We did
1: not go anywhere. We were literally in jail in our own home. Wow. Yeah. Thankfully, we had some people in our community that really were... Helpful and, and tried to come over and let us get out for an hour here and there, you know, and they would hold her. So we we had some amazing support in our community.
0: Well, was your what was your husband's take when you told him about medical cannabis? Was he as desperate as you?
1: Yes, he was, and that's a great question because he basically said, you know, first of all, it's just another drug. <laughs> It's just another medicine. And so what's the difference in our eyes? You know, and secondly, he said, plus, if, if we were to get caught or found out, we're the perfect people to get arrested because we don't smoke it. We're not about the, you know, drug trafficking. We are giving this medicine to help our daughter. There's obvious uh, change in her behaviors as a result of it. So if they come and if they have the the gall to or the whatever bravado to actually put us on trial, there is no way a jury of our peers is going to convict us. And that would set a precedent in this state, which would be the best thing that could possibly happen, quite frankly. So, you know, unfortunately, I think I swung that pendulum a little far to the one side or the other because I've really been bold and, and um Public about my breaking the law in, use, in using this to help my daughter, and so far nobody has shown up at the door. <laughs> but um, and he would like me to be a little less uh, bold <laughs> about that occasionally because it's a, you know I, I don't take it for granted, but at the same time I want people to know that laws need to change because families like ours are um, in need of this medicine, and it can help. It, it doesn't help everybody, but at least we should have the option to try it.
0: Now, med- Medical cannabis is legal in Georgia, but they don't they have a cap on THC? Well,
1: you ready for this? Uh, Yeah. What, can of (laughs) worms? So, Georgia has a partial medical cannabis law. And for the past five years, we have been able to use medical cannabis. Up to 5% THC is considered legal in basically like a tincture, so we can't use concentrates or anything like that. Um, so, and it has to be 5% by volume, I believe, of the actual medicine. Um, and um, But they've given us no way to safely access or legally access this medicine. So for the past five years, even though we can have a medical cannabis card that is issued by the Department of Public Health in, the, in Georgia, We've had no legal way to access it here. We've had to continue to break the law to get it. So I can't tell you how many parents have called me since I came out of the can of closet and testified three years ago. I have had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of parents contact me asking, how do I get this? I, I want to try this for my child. Um, even to the point where I've, I've had cooking classes in my house to show parents how to, how to make it and oh, wow. you know help them with those things. And, um, I've also connected them with other individuals in the state who have decided to break the law and either make cannabis or get cannabis from other states and bring it in and distribute it here. Um, so there still has been this massive underground network of, you know, parents and individuals with disabilities um, trying to find the medicine, and you know, being a part of helping parents find that medicine is just. I mean, it's been crazy. So this year, we—when um, I say we, it's not really me because I have not been at the at the Capitol but once or twice this year. But there have been a whole group of parent advocates, along with other legislators um, at the Capitol, who have finally written a safe access bill here in Georgia, cultivating, dispensing—you know, cultivating, manufacturing, dispensing uh, medical cannabis. However. It's still not full medical because they have not lifted the 5% THC. So we did mark the bill for cultivation and distribution um, this year. The governor is expected to sign that bill today at two o'clock this afternoon, which is really exciting. Yeah. Um, And it will help thousands of people. However, it does not help me in our situation. My my daughter's uh, medicine is much higher concentrated with THC and, um, I was really hoping to be able to have a full medical, you know, dispensing and all that kind of stuff, but they will not allow the dispensaries that will be allowed in the state of Georgia will not be selling any kind of plant material. They will not be selling any kind of concentrate. It will only be tinctures and sprays. And maybe, I don't know if they're going to do edibles, probably not. I don't think edibles are allowed probably just tinctures and sprays up to 5%. So the state of Georgia
0: Yeah, Um, I get you. I'm in Texas. We got nothing.
1: Oh, it's just so just it's 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 discouraging. And at the same time, it it uh, builds up my resolve to continue to do what I have to do to to get my daughter the medicine she needs. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I mean. So I can't go to a dispensary and get what she needs yet, but maybe someday, you know,
0: we'll see. You were offered, they came to you, you had a a senator or state legislator, I guess is the more appropriate term. You had a state legislator approach you about testifying before the Georgia Senate or House. And they offered you kind of like immunity, didn't they? Or something along those lines to get you to come testify?
1: (laughs) Well, sort of. Um, It was a, a state representative here who basically wrote every bill up until this last year because he retired last year but his name is alan peak he's a state rep out of macon georgia he uh, we call him the godfather of medical cannabis in georgia <laughs> he's got a heart the size of ohio you know he's just amazing and he really he really has wanted to see this medicine get in the hands of parents like me um and tried everything he could i believe to to make sure that that we got what we needed even though he got fought back a million times but he just kept on but um yeah when I, I after giving this medicine to Abby for almost for a little over a year I decided you know I better go to the Capitol and just see what's going on down there with regards to medical cannabis legislation I might be able to help and so I went to the Capitol um, in 2016 on opening day and asked to meet Alan and I met him and I told him my story and he said you know he goes, that's a very compelling story. Would you be willing to tell that in public? And I was like, oh, <laughs> how public, you know? Yeah. And at the time I, I wasn't thinking I would be testifying or whatever, but he said, well, you know, I'm wondering if you'd be willing to testify at a committee hearing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've never done anything like that. And so I talked to my husband about it and he said, well, if we're not going to do it, who else will? He said, I think this is a great opportunity to to really step out and try and make a difference. And so he was the one that and by, by we, he -hmm. meant me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That sounds familiar. Um, yeah. He
1: was like, you can go do it. But, but he honestly felt like it was the testimony would be better coming from a mother than a father. And I agreed with him. Um, and so I was, um, you know, chosen to come and, and testify. But when I, when we talked, we met with Alan the week prior to the, to the committee hearing, um, and I told him, I said, my biggest concern to doing this is that it's not that I'm going to go to jail, it's that Abby's going to be taken by the Department of Family and Children Services. I yeah. said, that, that's what keeps me up at night. And so if if you can assure me that that won't happen, I'll be here. And so he said, I will have a discussion with the gentleman who is the you know, the head of defects in Georgia at the Capitol. And he did. And that gentleman basically said... Um, We will not process any, actually, he he said, we won't process her if it comes across my desk, but we also won't process anybody, any parent with a, a, giving their child medical cannabis.
0: Really? That's a, that's incredible. That was a big promise from him. So
1: that assured me that, okay, I feel better about this and not that they still couldn't, they still could show up any day. I mean, I, I don't, again, don't take that for granted, but I'm more concerned with the The federal government at this point than i am the the local i can tell you my local sheriff is awesome and has assured me that nobody's going to show up at my door
0: that's great um, and
1: and, um, supports what i'm doing for abby he knows abby he's he knows us and he's awesome so
0: yeah that's great i mean if you can get local on because the feds have to come in and use local line law enforcement correct You know, they can't, it's not like they bring some people down from Washington. They get local law enforcement to do their bidding for them.
1: They sure do. So
0: that's, that's incredible to hear that you've got a, um, a sheriff there who's willing to stand up and protect his, his citizens and, and do his duty.
1: And he really is. I mean, across the board, he is supportive of his people. So we are very lucky to live in this County in Georgia. That there was a reason we moved to this County and I'm, Super glad we did. <laughs>
0: so, on the new law that's written, are there any protections written in for parents that are using this for for their kids, or is it is do they still have that fear of of family and protective services coming in and taking their kids? Well, apparently, so if you have
1: the medical cannabis card from the Department of Public Health here, you are considered protected. Okay, um, you have to apply, you know, for that uh, with you're actually your physician needs to register you. So that way they have a physician's hand saying, yes, I believe this patient needs this medicine. And, um, you know, other people that are mandated reporters know about it. So, yeah, I, I mean, honestly, if somebody came to my door and I showed them the medical canvas card, I would be okay. Even they wouldn't, they're not going to test what I'm giving her. You know, they're not going to see and press it. So, I'm not worried about that. I don't think they are. I can't imagine they're running around with cannabis test kits.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The the cops don't even have those, so I doubt CPS does. Exactly. What was your... Okay, so the day that your your child's teachers carried her out like a sack of potatoes, uh, Mm -hmm. that's the day you decided to give her this Rick Simpson oil that you had made several weeks before. So, did you keep her home from school the next day, or how soon after you started giving this to her, did you take her back to school?
1: Well, it happened to be on a Friday, so Uh I took her back that following Monday.
0: Yeah. So, on Monday, did the teachers notice any remarkable changes in her behavior?
1: Uh, I would say they noticed it within the first week or two. Yeah. So, um, and then after a few weeks, you know, they would bring her out to the car going, what are you doing? What's, you know, what's going on? She's just been so attentive and I'm she's getting, I'm getting eye contact from her and, and I'm like, oh, you know, nothing, we're not changing anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, at first I just didn't say anything to anybody. Yeah. Um, I took her to her pediatrician for her checkup that next month. And she was like, wow, who's who is this child? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I remember saying to her at that point, because, well, no, it wasn't that point. It was six months later. I brought her in for something else. And so she didn't know for the first six months or so. And i talking, I brought her in for something else. I think it was, I don't know, flu or strep or something, these kids. Um, and she said, and I said, can I, I said, I know you're a mandated reporter, but if I told you something that I may or may not be doing, will you report me? Yeah. <laughs> And she said, well, if you may or may not be doing something, which she, and then she said, which I think I can guess, um, she said, I will not report you. So, um, I said, well, I may or may not be giving her medical cannabis. And I have been for the past seven or eight months and, you know, that sort of thing. And she was like, she goes, I thought so. She said, what I am going to write down is that you're giving her CBD, you know, because probably there's some CBD in what you're making. And so, and uh, that's legal. So I'm like, okay, fine with me. So, um, and of course, since then, she has been, her pediatrician has been a huge supporter and even sent me some of her patients for help. (laughs) Wow, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, so,
1: um, yeah, it's really good.
0: Now, you said you were were kind of in the closet for about a year with your daughter's use. Is that you know, what made the, what, what changed? Was it your trip down to the state Capitol or was there some other reason that you decided, okay, I'm, I'm tired of hiding this light under a bushel?
1: Um, I think it was just the gradual uh, realization of how much it was helping her and how many other people needed to at least be able to try it mm-hmm. that I thought, you know, that I can't be quiet anymore. I've got to tell people about this. I, I can't, can't keep this to myself and ourselves. If we have this gift that is from this plant, and, I'm, and I have completely changed my way of thinking about this plant because I was part of the whole, just say no, 80s generation who thought pot smokers were losers. Um, and now I see the beauty, of, and I've done the research, and I've seen the, um, the evidence that and anecdotal or whatever, it's still evidence to me. I don't care what the scientific community says. I've got my own science in my own home. So um, I've seen the benefits and I can't I can't not tell people and I have to be able to be a part of making this somewhat legal in Georgia because somebody's got to step up and say something, you know, and and so and there have been over the last several years, some amazing parents uh, that have been extremely vocal about the benefits of cannabis. I think Mm -hmm. I might have been the first person to actually testify in public about it. Uh, first parent, I should say, but um, but I mean, wow! The the response has just been overwhelming from the communities around here, and from this, uh from all of the people who live in Georgia are extremely um, supportive of medical cannabis. The the two groups that are not supportive are this Faith and Freedom Coalition here in Georgia, who I, who I'd like to bop on the head, and then the other ones are this. Um, are the Georgia sheriffs association they've been extremely opposed to any kind of cannabis legislation so this year uh they really fought hard against the um cannabis bill that's allowing you know cultivation they just they keep using the term slippery slope they can, yep. you know they keep all that kind of stuff and it's just it's really sad it's really sad that they don't um open their minds to what is helping people and don't listen. And they just, they think along their own. They have blinders on, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they just, they're just so stuck in that mindset. And it's like, you know what? The people that want to use this plant to get high, they're out there doing that anyway. They don't care what the law says. But what you're doing is you're keeping this medicine out of the hands of desperate parents, out of the hands of desperately ill people. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: And that is, it's really, that's a shame to me. Um, and they, they should be ashamed of themselves. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I just, you know, it's funny because I, um, I was kind of interviewing people when I was at the Capitol on Sine die, which is the last day of, of session. Um, and I think the second time I went this year, <laughs> so I'm like, I, I got there for the last day, um. But anyhow, I had surgery, so I just I couldn't make it uh, during session. But anyhow, so I tried to interview these folks, you know, just to get their opinion on why they feel the way they do in opposition for medical cannabis. And I asked three of them. Yeah. Uh, one from Faith and Freedom, another from a, an organization here called Let's Get Clear Georgia, which is ridiculous. Um, and another one from the um, Baptist Georgia Baptist Association. I can't remember exactly what organization it is, but anyway, um, and all three of them declined to be interviewed by me.
0: <laughs> really?
1: And didn't want to answer questions. Yeah, which I thought was pretty funny because usually they they jump at the chance to get in front of a camera. I had a camera with me and everything.
0: <laughs> yeah. So but, they're more um, than they're more than willing to get up in front of the state house, but when it, they don't want to get in front of a mom who uses this for their child. Exactly.
1: Yes, exactly. And it kind of, you know, and they know who I am. I mean, they've seen me testify, uh, not just on that one occasion, but on other occasions, and, and they know who I am. So uh, I don't know if they're afraid of me or why. And I asked, I told them, I said, please, I'm not going to argue with you. I just want your opinion. I know you know who I am, but they said, no, we're going to decline, respectfully decline. I'm like, okie dokie.
0: Wow. Wow. <laughs> they don't have the courage to stand in front of you and tell you that this is a slippery slope.
1: Yeah, which makes me think. Wow, you you know, if you don't say something, mm-hmm. that leads me to believe that you're you really don't believe in what you're fighting for. So why wouldn't you say something to whomever? I mean, if they came up to me and wanted to interview me for whatever they're doing, sure, yes. <laughs> so I call them the dark the dark lords. <laughs>
0: Those three people are dark lords. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny when they really when they see themselves as the complete opposite. I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. Oh gosh, they're God's shining light. Yeah, to the whole world. <laughs> on that kind of on that subject, and you know, I know the community at large has been supportive, or the medical cannabis community. What was the response of your your local community? You know. And because Georgia, I'm sure, is just as conservative as Texas, and uh, going and telling your good church friends that, hey, I'm giving my kid marijuana, what was the response to that? Overwhelmingly supportive. That's awesome. I mean,
1: overwhelmingly. So I, you know, from close friends to family to my church family, um, and the elders and leadership, uh, the the law enforcement community, everybody around here, I cannot. I cannot think of one person that has said to me, we don't support that. Yeah. Um, and here's the reason why. They all knew Abby before cannabis. And they all saw her after. And so they couldn't deny the benefits, um, you know, no matter where we got it from. I remember somebody saying to me, I wouldn't care if it was, you know, um, mushrooms that helped her or, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, cocaine or whatever it is. And you found a derivative of this or that. If it helps her and doesn't hurt her, then of course, you know. And so the thing is, pharmaceuticals that are legal um, prior to cannabis, they were not helping her and potentially hurting her. And now I've got this amazing plant that is helping her and not hurting her, and that's not legal. So where where is the uh, logical thinking there? There is no logical thinking.
0: So is she on any prescription medications related to her autism or anything like that? Or is it y'all just doing everything with cannabis? She
1: is not on any other pharmaceuticals related to autism or behaviors. I do give her 0.05 milligrams of clonidine, which is a high blood pressure medication at night Mm -hmm. just to help her go to sleep because sleep has always been in the zoo for us. Um, it's a very, very small dose and it's not hard on the liver and it's not, you know, it's not a benzodiazepine, which will make you nuts. And it's not all those things that, like I used to have her on Trazodone and Seroquel and all these awful benzos at, Mm -hmm. um, at what's the other Adderall? Is that it? Um, can't think of the other benzo anyway. Um, and so there, she's off of all of those, thank God, and has been for years, yeah, uh, but no. So there's no other pharmaceutical related to her injury, her self injurious behaviors.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. In your testimony, the video that you sent and I'll and I'll post a, a link to that YouTube video in our show notes for today's episode so folks can go out and, and hear your testimony, you had mentioned that, you know, her injurious behaviors were not just limited to herself. I mean, she also bit you guys too. So you said it took you like a year to kind of, to kind of quit flinching when she would give you a hug. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
1: even still, you know, sometimes she rubs her nose on me and I still go back to like, Oh geez, don't bite me. <laughs> yeah. Um. And it's been what, you know, four or five years. So um, I think that parents like us with a, a child with severe disabilities, have some level of PTSD, um, and, and really even we could call it CTSD, which would be kind of continuous stress, you know, traumatic stress disorder. Um, and so when something that drastic happens and something that, um, severe happens and you go through that for months and months and some of these parents, some of my, uh, uh, co- people that I know and, and community members have gone through this for decades, you know, yeah. and, and dealt with, they've got these kids that are 30 and 40 years old who are still biting or still raging horse. It just blows my mind how they've survived because I, I barely survived that nine months mm-hmm. um, myself. So, but you know, yeah, she used to, she used to really hurt us. I mean, we were, I, I had scratch marks and bite marks all over me for, months and so did my husband and it's just that is the most gut-wrenching thing when you see your child suffering to the point where they're hurting themselves and hurting you and you can't do anything for them um that that's not fair that is it's not a fair way to live as a parent but and it's not um it's not what you think what you dream of when your child is born you don't and you learn over the years to to give up on those hopes and dreams that you had when they're born, you know, walking them down the aisle or taking them to prom or going shopping or whatever you do, you know, yeah. whatever you think dream about. Um but in the meantime, you still have your life you have to live. You mm-hmm. still have to make your life as functioning and functionable as possible. And so thankfully, thank God, we found I found that blog. And thank God I pursued it and scratched and clawed and dug myself until I got what I needed for her. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not something you ever totally get over, mm-hmm. Um, that flinching, but it is something that, that fades and it's faded quite a bit. Yeah. So that's a good thing.
0: So does she, I mean, she still has some self-injurious behaviors from time to time, but not n- nearly to the point where it was before cannabis Correct. I mean, they're,
1: they still have, she gets frustrated. She can't communicate verbally still. Um, she's learning to communicate in other ways, but it's very, very slow going the process, Mm -hmm. but it's, at least it's growing and going and not, you know, regressing. So, um, but she, um, she still will, uh, you know, have a meltdown and get frustrated. And that usually includes, uh, You know, yelling and screaming, crying and biting, again, still her right arm. So um, when it happens, the good thing is it doesn't last near as long. It might last a few minutes as opposed to a few hours. And um, she can self-calm, which she couldn't do before. So what we can do is we can put her in her safe room, Mm -hmm. which is her bedroom, and close the door and she will calm down on her own. So, more times than not. So that's a good thing.
0: Yeah. Instead of having a restrainer for hours at a time. I, I mean, I can't imagine how mentally and physically exhausting that must do, be to do that day after day after day, let alone for nine months. Mm-hmm.
1: And imagine the people that do that for years. Anyway. um, Yeah, no, it was on all levels exhausting. I don't even remember much of that time. I, I probably have just blocked it out of my head. Um, And thankfully life has gotten so much better that we, you know, don't have to continue to live it. Yes. Um, but occasionally some of those thoughts and reminders come back, you know, the overwhelming desperation of it all. And, but, but I think when you grow and you go past, you get past those things and then finally finding cannabis and, and learning how to use it for her and learning which kind works best for her and all of that, Um, you get to think about the future a little bit, not just what you're faced with today. And so in thinking about the future, um, I realized that so many of these special needs parents, you know, Guess what? Our kids grow up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They're not, you know, eight forever. And um, we need to plan ahead. So uh, I'm going to do a shameless plug if that's okay. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. You plug away.
1: <laughs> but we, I have a couple years ago decided to create an organization called Two Sparrows Village. And uh-huh. it is an organization, nonprofit organization. And our goal is to build communities truly integrated, inclusive, reverse inclusion, uh, neurodiverse life plan communities for adults with disabilities. So, um, you know, including a place to live, a place to work, a place to learn uh, and grow and achieve the level of independence that they can achieve. So, wow, that's um, awesome. I'm an ama- yeah, I'm excited. We have an amazing board of directors. We have an amazing um, group that's really working hard to make this a reality, um, in the South counties of Atlanta, Georgia. So we're really excited about that.
0: Well, where can folks find, I'm assuming you probably have a webpage for that somewhere or Facebook. I or do. How-
1: it's, yeah. Well, both, um, two the number, it's spelled out T W O sparrows like the bird, but with an S at the end to sparrows org. Um, and that is our website. And then if you go on to Facebook, just look up Two Sparrows Village community page.
0: And uh, you can ask to join that. Mm-hmm. So if parents that are interested and they've got kids with disabilities that are interested in that, is that the best place for them to go?
1: It is. I mean, they can email me at jennifer at org as well. Um, we are in the beginning stages of the development and our executive and developmental planning. Um, So, you know, we've only been, we are a fledgling nonprofit. We've been in in business with the IRS for about a year and a half, Mm -hmm. but we've already raised uh, enough funds to hire a executive and and developmental planning consultant, And we are very close to um, creating a relationship with another organization in our County um, to purchase land
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: or lease it. So once we have the land, uh, in our pocket, we can actually move forward with land development and usage and then really hit the, um, the money search (laughs) road hard and look for funders, you know, that are interested in funding big projects like this.
0: Yeah. That's, that's really incredible. Is there anything similar to what y'all are doing out there uh, in other States?
1: Um, there is, and many of them are, uh, started by parents like us who have had no other choice because federally uh you know funding for um used to be called um well these centers for adults with mental retardation is what they used to be called um years ago those uh federally funded uh group homes and or whatever are unfortunately no longer so parents like us have had to take matters into our own hands and just start these organizations um but some have been around too for years and years. It's just they're very few and far between. There's actually one that just started in Texas, um, where you are, but down I think in Austin, area or San Antonio, I can't remember where. Um, that state is so big. But it's called Daymark Living and they have a beautiful facility. It's absolutely beautiful. They just opened, um, and um, but they are not a nonprofit. They are a for profit, so they have just a different you know model, which is fine. Um, we have a couple here in Georgia, but they're geared toward a different uh, resident base um, than what we're thinking. Um, so, and there's one in Kentucky. There's one in a couple in Illinois. There's uh, one in Ohio and Michigan and Pennsylvania. And so they're they're spotty. But but unfortunately, when you're talking about a population that is in the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, potentially millions, just in the U.S., um, you know. 30 or 40 locations just doesn't work. We need to have 300 or 400 or 5,000, loc- you know, there has to be um, a global view. And so our goal, if we're talking the 30,000 feet goal is to provide housing for adults with disabilities all over the country. So we, we wanna build a model that can be scaled and, and replicated. Um, and our whole goal is to make sure that we're not just about 20 acres out in the country with a fence around it with adults with disabilities we want to have the whole community involved in what we're doing
0: so would it be a community where just the 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 people with these disabilities live or would their families be able to live there with them is that is that kind of your vision
1: our goal is to have it and that's kind of what neurodiverse means um everybody is welcome uh and and we would want to have housing available for parents, but not in the same building if they don't want to, you know? So, I mean, we envision um, a community where there might be some market rate housing for parents of these kids who don't wanna live 50 miles away or 200 miles away. Um, They might wanna live down the block. Um, And then housing that might be um, subsidized and then housing that would be truly, you know, partially helped and then truly uh, more like HUD or Section 8, and so, you know, where we really are funding the whole thing through the state and federal funds. So, you know, that's what we're looking, that's what we're developing right now, is what does that look like on paper, how can we make that financially work for everybody?
0: That's something that I, as, you know, I've never even considered that long-term, you know, because I guess, you know, a lot of kids, as they age, they go into, like, facilities and stuff, where parents just struggle and try and, Try to take care of them themselves on their own. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what happens, unfortunately.
1: And, you know, these, these kids are living in their parents' mm-hmm. basements. They don't have jobs. They don't, they want to work. Um, but people don't know that they're available or know how to work with them, which is part of what we're going to, you know, be helping with, um, uh, for our residents or for our day service, you know, attendees or whatever. And, um, you know, and parent, quite frankly, if you're a parent of a child like my daughter or any child with a disability, by the time they're 30 and you're however old, 50 or 60, you're just poop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're just exhausted. It's hard to to get out there and fight. The, the, inter- the good thing for me is that I've really only been in this disability world for about six years because we didn't know that she had a disability until she was almost two. So, you know, I'm, I, I'm kind of a newbie still. Um, but I know parents who have been in this world for decades, and they're exhausted. So I'm, I'm excited to have the opportunity to, to do this and to work toward this goal, which, quite frankly, should have been done on a global scale 50 years ago. But, you know, again, it's difficult to, to be thinking that long range. But, um, but I'm glad to have the opportunity and have the support, you know, at this point in my life, because we have to think ahead. We don't have
0: a choice. Yeah, it, it's hard to to think ahead though if you're in survival mode. So at least you know cannabis gives y'all a way to be out of survival mode. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yep. Well, that's is this is great, Jennifer. I'm gonna I'm gonna put links to both the video that you had sent me and then links to twosparrowsvillage.org out on the show notes page so that so that folks can check that. Do you have any other resources that you would recommend to? two parents that are struggling with the same, you know, self-harm or other behaviors that, that you guys went through with Abby?
1: Well, I mean, gosh, I mean, it depends on where you live, obviously. And this is a podcast, so this is going out um, everywhere, I guess. Oh, we're right? global, baby. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Um, you know, but there's, there's a ton of medical cannabis suppliers mm-hmm. now. Um there's a lot of really great you can try different things you can try different medicines and different concentrates and all of those things um through these companies if you're in a legal state if you have a, if you're in a state that has dispensaries i mean they the dispensary owners should be well aware of what works well for kids with autism and with self injurious um injurious behavior so um if they're not honestly, there's really no one site to go to for help i mean i i'm unfortunately i should probably create one in my spare time yeah right um you know this is an informational site where people could go and and i would you know maybe put all these resources i do know of some very um uh informative um online talks and things like that kind of like the ted talk world or whatever um and i do know that there is let me see green living media is that, it? is that it i'm sorry i'm checking okay. it out well right
0: you could actually if you want to if you want to email me those or um message them to me that way you don't have to try and look them up right now <laughs> i know i kind of put yeah, you on the because spot there's
1: there's a couple of yeah no no that's okay there's a couple of good resources that have a lot of information out there on the internet um and i have t- my two favorites i can certainly um email to you one of them is leafly.com that one is a great um, informative and i'm sure you know of that um and it's not just about looking up strains and what they do it's, they have a ton of information on there and the other one i will look up and send to you um, and they have a lot of very knowledgeable speakers who are doing like informational seminars online you know and all of that so they, there's a lot there's definitely resources on the internet that people can go to for information.
0: Well that sounds great. Well I really appreciate your time today Jennifer and I'm I'm glad we got to speak in a little more depth and uh, appreciate the information that you shared with us today and and really looking forward to kind of following to Sparrow's village and see how things go there.
1: Thank you. I'm super excited to be able to share our story again and Rachel you're awesome. I'm, I appreciate you doing this for for us and for families like ours.
0: Absolutely. Well, we just you know it's 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 frustrating to me that the the government is standing between people and parents and a, a safe medicine, so anyway i I really appreciate your time I, I wish there was more that I could do, but you know the uh <laughs> this is this is my my meager contribution to the cause. well,
1: getting information out there is key, so that's awesome. Glad you did it.
0: Well, thank you again, Jennifer. I've I've enjoyed our our visit today. Me too. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you. Bye bye. Jennifer Conforti, everyone. Hey, y'all. Go check out Two Sparrows Village. What an amazing, what an amazing project. It's as someone who doesn't have a child who has a developmental disability. Something like that never would have occurred to me. And if it hadn't been for cannabis, Jennifer would still be in survival mode and wouldn't have been able to kind of switch gears and put efforts into this project. So go check out Two Sparrows Villages and uh, give them your support. On Thursday's show, we are going to be joined by Chris Ann Hall. Chris Ann is a former district attorney, and now, along with her husband, JC, she travels the country educating legislators and law enforcement and, you know, ordinary people about the Constitution. And since she's somewhat of a constitutional expert, I invited her on the show so that she can talk to us about the constitutionality of prohibition of cannabis or marijuana, as the federal government likes to call it. Now, I don't know if you recall from earlier in this episode when Jennifer was talking about how amazing her local sheriff is. I recorded Thursday's episode with Chrisanne about a week before I recorded my interview with Jennifer. And during mine and Chrisanne's conversation about the Constitution, she brought up the critical role that our local sheriffs play in protecting their citizens from federal or state-level government overreach. So the fact that Jennifer brought up how amazing her sheriff is just gave me goosebumps because he gets it. And that makes today's episode tie in rather seamlessly with Thursday's episode. And I think that's a very cool air quotes coincidence. So with that, I will bid you good day and I'll talk to you guys on Thursday. Hit the subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode of the Cannabis Heals Me podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or whatever podcast app you're using. Do you have a suggestion for a guest on Cannabis Heals Me? Send an email to podcast at We'd love to hear from you. Please do not take any information from Cannabis Heals Me or its guests as medical advice. Contact your licensed physician before taking cannabis or using it for medical treatments.